Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights? And the wolf is at your door. You're running so with that. This episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast may contain descriptions of acts of violence or that of a sexual nature and should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off of the Internet or for some television show. The facts I'm retelling you were presented to me by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My descriptions of the crime scenes, what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. Today, I'm going to be continuing the series about Courtney... Coco's murder trial. David Anthony Burns is on trial for second-degree murder of Courtney Coco. And up until this point, I've led you all the way through the opening arguments. And now I'm going to begin telling you witness testimony. And y'all, it's, it's, 
I'll, I'll use some of my own words, but I'm going to read a lot from notes because I was trying to write down everything they said. Uh, I may miss some stuff, but this is definitely stuff you won't hear on the news or in the media. So stay tuned at the end of today's show for more Real Life Real Crime announcements. And we're going to get going. And I'm going to call this one Courtney Coco's Murder Trial Witness Testimony. So the first witness that Hugo Holland called to the stand, because remember the prosecution gets to go first, was Dr. Tommy Brown. Now, Dr. Tommy Brown was the original pathologist that was the original pathologist that conducted Courtney's autopsy in Beaumont, Texas back in 2004. So Dr. Tommy Brown has so much experience, y'all, I couldn't even write it all down, but he's done more than 15,000 autopsies and testified well over 100 times as an expert witness. Too many uh, testimonies and autopsies to list, but since 1972, he's been a pathologist, and he was actually even one before then when he was in the military. Uh, he did it until he retired from the military as a full bird colonel. And at this time, y'all, the Hugo Holland had the uh, jury each their own copy of Dr. Brown's original autopsy report so they could follow along. But he told him, said, look, I don't want y'all to just hold it in your lap. And when we get to a certain section, I'll tell you what page to turn to so you can read along with it because it's a lot of information. And they started to testify. Now, Dr. Brown testified that on October 5th, 2004, he went to do the autopsy and there were law enforcement officers present, two from Alexandria Police Department and Texas Ranger Skylar Hearns was in the room also. And he said the first thing they do is take the photographs of the body. He said that Courtney was dressed in an LSU shirt, but she was black from from her head down to her neck, like almost unrecognizable, well, definitely unrecognizable. Um, and she was nude from the waist down. She weighed 105 pounds. She was five foot three. And she smells of severely decomposing stench. And it's a horrible smell. It stays on your skin, gets in your hair, it gets in your clothes. And most of the time, you can't get it off of you. Uh, and I, y'all can testify to this myself. That, uh, on a severely decomposed body, you go in, it just... The smell and the stench just permeates the air. It gets in your clothes. It, I've had to burn my clothes. They, they, you can't use them again. On, on these types of autopsies, it's, it's like, you know, you put Vic Sav underneath your nose. The, usually the smell wouldn't bother me because I would breathe through my mouth. But what the doc's saying on this is, said it was just absolutely horrible. The, the smell is a sweet, stinky, horrible smell. Dr. Brown said the, that Courtney's body was much more advanced in, in decomposition. At least she should have been dead for four to seven days due to decomposition. And for when he found out the timeline that she'd only been dead for a couple of days, he said she had to be exposed to a lot of heat to accelerate the decomposition. All right. And 
Skylar Hearns, the Texas Ranger, actually called General Motors, who had done a research on bodies or the temperature in, inside of cars. But in Alexandria on that weekend, it was 85 on Saturday and 88 on Sunday. And the GM studies showed that two hours in a car in that temperature that's locked up would reach 140 degrees. But inside of a trunk, it would have been way, way, way hotter, over 200 degrees, basically cooking the body. He said he examined the body um, for any signs of trauma, couldn't find any. In the internal examination, he the body was... Uh, the lungs were full with decomposition fluid. All the organs were, were full of decomposition. There was no blood left in her body. Okay, now remember when they found her body, there was, I hate to say it, but body juice, or, uh, decomposition juice all around her, puddled around her. And um, so when, when he cuts her open, there's no blood left. Right, it's just decomposition fluid. If someone had handled Courtney's body, they would definitely have the stench on them, and it was just, it's just, it would be horrible. Okay. Um, on the internal examination, he also opened the stomach, which is y'all that they do that on every autopsy to try to determine the time of death or the last meal the person ate, and he found French fries and bubblegum inside her stomach that were not digested. Now, this proved that she had been dead uh, or, or she was murdered probably within an hour to two hours after the last time she, she had eaten. But the bubblegum in the stomach, that was something that's only seen maybe two other times in over 15,000 autopsies. And that's because he believed she was choked to death, and when when she was being choked to death, she had gum in her mouth, and she accidentally swallowed it. Said it does not happen. He's seen it in all these forty plus years. Him doing it, he's only seen it a couple times, and those times were also death by strangulation. He said he thought it was very very remarkable that she had gum in her stomach. During the autopsy, one of the things they do is they take the blood to test to see. Uh, what the, the the deceased will have in their system. They're special, specifically looking for illegal narcotics or over, you know, a, la- a large amount of alcohol, anything like that that could help prove the cause of death. But in this case, he couldn't get any blood from Courtney's body, from from the heart or the veins and, and, and or any of the other organs. But he went to the spleen, and he cut out the whole spleen. And he had to take it. He said it was like really squishy. And he had to take it and squeeze it and cut it open and squeeze it to get enough blood out of it to send off for toxicology. And that's because he couldn't get anywhere else. And and he wanted to know what was in her system. He said, when you use this type blood test that from the spleen, and it's proven over and over and over again in, in documents, et cetera, that when you use this blood, you're using it for quantitative 
I mean, I'm sorry, for qualitative reasons, not quantitative. Now, what he meant by that is whatever the spleen shows that it has in it, then you you can, that's all you can get off that test, okay? What is inside the body at the time of death, but you can't measure how much of whatever it was that was inside the body at the, at the time of death. All right, so when he did, did it, he measured the alcohol blood level inside of Courtney was at 0.32 from the spleen. Now, this was done by a Meritox lab. But the problem with that is, y'all, when you, when you die, and, and especially as you decompose, your body ferments and produces its own alcohol. So 0.32 would kill a, a, a person's courtney size, no doubt about that. But the deal about it is, if that was a true representation of her drinking herself to death, she wouldn't have had anything in her stomach. She would have thrown up the bubble gum and the french fries. So he knew that the, the BAC or the blood alcohol content was due to the body's decomposition. He said, now, hey, she may have had a drink or two, but she didn't drink that much, all right? The, the, her death was not by alcohol. So he went through a process of elimination, checked everything on the body, did a rape kit, did everything in, uh, basically as a process of elimination. And at the end of the autopsy, he determined, it, at first he determined it was a, it was a homicide by un, un, undetermined means, and then after he got the toxicology back and everything else, he, he ruled it a homicide by probable asphyxiation, meaning she was choked to death, okay, or smothered to death. Now the, the bone in the neck wasn't broken, so he believed it, it was somebody used their hands or a pillow or something like that to, it was long enough to cut off the blood flow to Courtney's brain so she died that away by being smothered, basically, asphyxiation. Dr. Brown further stated that there was no way in hell that you could come back later on. And now, remember, the, the sheriff's office did it in 2014. They sent the, the report, uh, and they got to, well, they went to Texas, and they got— um, Whatever was the samples of blood that were left squeezed that had been squeezed from the spleen way way back in 2004, and so when they get retested the blood in 2014, the blood alcohol content would have been much higher, all right, because it's still fermenting, it's still rotting, and it's turning into alcohol, and so that's what Dr. Norman looked at, and without seeing the body, he was like, oh no, this is an accidental. Uh, over drinking death. Well, that's bullshit. Okay. The alcohol content was simply due to the decomposition and the, the spleen collects more alcohol from decomposition than any other organ on the body. He said it's inappropriate for anyone to say the alcohol of 0.32 and that she drank herself to death. He said, if you someone would take that sample that he took from the spleen and test it all those years later, you're flirting with medical and legal disaster. That Courtney was murdered by asphyxiation and it was homicide. And that definitely the gun was in her stomach because she was she swallowed it when she was being choked to death.
All right. So that's summing it up. I'm paraphrasing for y'all. But um, Hugo also asked him, was he aware of these two other pathologists that he sent the same, you know, uh, the doctor's report to and everything. And the doctor was, these are world renowned pathologists. And both of these pathologists said the same thing. The, the, that blood alcohol content was due to being tested from the spleen in a severely decomposed body. And he even had the doctor read an article out of some medical published magazine where uh, these other doctors' panels did the same study and they all reached the same conclusion, not on Courtney's body, on, on other bodies. Same conclusion. And the last thing they said in the article was the same thing the doctor had already testified to. He said it would be if you took a sample from a spleen that was decomposed like that, you're flirting with medical and legal disaster and this that is not reliable. It cannot be used. Well, I guess Dr. Stephen Norman didn't read that fucking article, right? And, and he hadn't done a handful of, of autopsies compared to this doctor doing over 15,000. So I'm, I'm paraphrasing for you, but Hugo turns him over to LaCour. Now LaCour just basically went over the same stuff that Hugo went over with Dr. Brown. And, but he, he told Dr. Brown, he said, Dr. Brown, you don't really know what killed her. And Dr. Brown said, no, that's not true. Oh, well, let me describe Dr. Brown to you. He's 88 years old, kind of frail, but very, very sharp-minded, um, very well-spoken. I mean, obviously, I, I couldn't even begin to read you all of his qualifications and everything else. But LaCour, and I'm paraphrasing this, y'all, basically says, uh, so, Doc, you couldn't find any signs of trauma? No, sir. You couldn't find this? You couldn't find that? No, sir, he said. An autopsy is basically a process of elimination. If all these other things can be excluded, then you can concentrate on the gum in the stomach and this, this asphyxiation. Uh, and so the court says, well, basically, you're just guessing then, Doc. And the doctor said, no, I'm not guessing. And he said, yeah, you are. I mean, you can't prove it. Um, so you're just guessing. And the doctor said, no, I'm not guessing the course said, well, you're making an educated guess. He said, no, I'm telling you my opinion. And it's, my opinion is based off fact. So LaCour said, you sent the spleen for more testing? The doctor said, no, I didn't send the, the, the spleen for more testing. The uh, course said, but you sent the spleen. Why would you send the spleen and not the blood? Um, LaCour, I guess you weren't in the same fucking courtroom everybody else was. The doctor said, no, I said, testified, I cut the spleen out, I cut slices into it, and I had to squeeze it to get blood out of it. Inside the spleen, there are red blood cells and white blood cells, and that's the only place on her body that I could get the blood from. Then the core is in the middle of his thing. He, when the doctor says that, he loses his train of thought. He was like, uh, um, just give me a minute, Your Honor. I lost my train of thought. I'm like, what the fuck? And, and I lost my train of thought. Then he gets together and he said, Doc, is it common to say homicide by undetermined means? 
And the doctor said, yeah, it happens often. And the course says the blood alcohol content from the decomposition or drinking before. Uh, he said, is there any other organ more commonly tested? And the doctor said, yeah. And he, but not in this case, not in this instance, in the decomposed body. He said, so you chose the, the spleen for the blood sample. And the doctor said, yes, I testified to that. He said, well, why didn't you use the liver? Why didn't you use the heart? And the doctor said, I testified those were too severely decomposed and they didn't contain any blood. And it's common to use the spleen to squeeze the blood out of the spleen to get the list of what was in her system. Shout out to Astro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you? I love that. You sound like, <laughs> it's that time of year, though, bro. I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah, well, have you tried Astro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? Astro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this. And you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies really kicked up with it, right? I use Astro every time my nasal allergies flare up, and I'm always amazed at how fast I'm back in the game, down on those roads, playing my stuff. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. It's faster, bro. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. He said, Doc, did, did your autopsy help identify a suspect? And the doctor was like, what do you mean? He's like, when you did the autopsy, did it help you identify a suspect? And the doctor said, no, it's not my job to get a suspect. And, and the court says, well, is there anything in this report that proves my client, Anthony Burns, killed Courtney Coco? And the doctor's like, no, that." There wouldn't be anything in the report. My job is to collect the evidence. 
Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And determine a cause of death, and that was certainly it doesn't point to who did it. So, and the liqueur tendered the witness. So Hugo gets back up and he said, I think she, she was in one position, then moved and dumped. But, or he asked the doctor that because look, you remember there. Were, I, I actually hadn't said this yet. There were two spots, two little spots of Courtney's DNA that were recovered from her trunk. Okay, now remember her body was seeping and uh, um, by the time she was dumped. Okay, and so Hugo asked him. He said, "Doc, do you think she was found? Uh, do you think she was uh, murdered?" In, in, in that warehouse, he said no, and and he said I I can tell you that somebody positioned her there because there's there's signs on her body where right after her death she was put like on her side. He said you could see the different the where the blood had pulled there. He said, but by the time I got to her and and the way she was found that. That proves the way she was found on her back, legs spread up in the air, vagina facing the road, nude from the waist down. That's not how she was placed after she, she was killed. She was placed on her side, which we all would be consistent with her being placed in the trunk. Then Hugo asked her, he said, he said, Doc, how long has it been used or in your profession to rule out every other cause of death and then then when you you do all that and in a, in a case like Courtney's that the you know you say homicide by asphyxiation he said how long has this theory been used and the doc said as long as people have been doing autopsies he said I, I mean I can't put a, a year on it he said I think it goes back to the 1700s um And again, oh, she had uh, that 
that blood test did show that she had a, a minute amount of tramadol in her system and I don't know all the technical terms, y'all, the milliliters and nanometers or whatever. And he said, did the tramadol kill her, Doc? He said, no. There's, there's, she may have taken a tramadol pill sometime before her death, and that was in her system. Didn't even mean it had to be that night, y'all. He said, but there's no way that, that tramadol killed her. No way that drinking killed her. After reading that article, he's saying... The testing of the alcohol post-mortem for quality, for quantitative, meaning how much y'all is in 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 her blood alcohol content, without further information, is wrong and is a medical and legal disaster. All right, moving to the next witness, and this this one was a humdinger. Okay, they bring in QO calls in Waylon. Durson. Now, Waylon Durson comes in. He's probably in his 40s. He looks rough, um, white male. And the this is the guy that they had to find him in Joplin, Missouri. He was homeless. And they had to arrest him. He didn't want to come. So they arrested him. They put him in the back of the car and then and they bring him back to Louisiana and lock him up in Rapides Parish to, to the trial. But the Hugo calls him in and they bring him in and put him on the stand. And they swear him in. And Hugo puts a picture on the screen of, of Waylon asleep in the back of a cop car, his head up against the window. And he looks rough. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Right. But he left that picture up there on purpose. And he, he said, Hugo says, did you know Anthony Burns? And Durson said, yeah, I knew him for 25 or 30 years. Hugo said, did we find you in a homeless shelter and have to arrest you? And Durson said, yeah. He said, do you want to be here? And Durson said, no. And he said, did you ever have a, have a conversation with David Anthony Burns about Courtney Coco? And Durson said, look, he said it was back in, remember, he reported back in 2011, y'all, to APD. He said, we were talking about killing someone, and I, and I told Burns I didn't think I could do it. Burns said, nah, it's not as hard as you think, buddy. He said, I killed someone. He said, uh, I killed her with a pillow, and I dumped her body wrapped with a blanket, and I dropped it off in Texas. And then he said it was Courtney Coco. He also said that Coco was his girlfriend's, that Burns said Coco was his girlfriend's sister. And after that conversation, he was bothered by it, right? And, and so he brought it to the cops. And um, detectives came to, and, and interviewed him immediately. He said, I remember it because it's not every day someone tells you they murdered someone. So Hugo says, have you been promised anything for your testimony? And Durst says, no. Well, Hugo says, well, did I tell you you would get, did I promise you you would get released after you testify? And I told you, Durst said, yes. He said, when you first got here and you were locked up in DC3, did I tell you I would get you out of isolation? And Durst said, yes. Hugo said, did I tell you, you, you your mom 
come and, and talk to you? And, and had, how long has it been since you talked to your mom? Dearson said seven years. He said, so I, did I get where your mom can talk to you? And Dearson said, yes. He said, and did I put money on your books? Did I give you $50 on your jail books so you could buy your Zuzus and have commissary in, in the jail? And Dearson said, yes. He said, do you have anything against David Anthony Burns? Dearson said, no. And he, he said, I've known him my whole life. He said, the only thing I got against him is what he told me about Courtney Coco. He tendered the witness. So LaCour gets up and says, have you ever been convicted of lying for lying? Durst said, no. He said, you, you never been convicted for lying? Durst said, no, I hadn't been convicted for lying. He said, well, had you been convicted of theft for three times? And Durston said, yeah, I've been convicted of theft, but not lying. And he said, well, misrepresentation then. You, you've been convicted of misrepresentation? And he said, no, I have not been convicted of misrepresentation. I was convicted for theft. He said, no, misrepresentation. And Durston said, look, I don't even know what that word means. And LaCour said, lying. And, and Durst said, I have not been convicted for lying. I was convicted for theft. He said, well, in misrepresenting something, um, that's what you did in about Anthony Burns' statement, huh? He said, no. He told me he murdered her with a pillow and wrapped her in a blanket. The court says, well, what blanket? Can you tell me what color? And Durst is like, hell no, I can't tell you what color blanket is. He didn't tell me what color the blanket was. He said, do you realize telling the police it was, it, it was, and then Durson cuts him off. He said, he told me it's been so long ago that they won't found out who did it. Of course, says, sure you told police Burns was involved with the victim's sister? Did you implicate the sister for maybe robbing Courtney? He said, hell no. Hugo objects. Hugo Jackson says that, uh, you know, he's asking Waylon to uh, come up with a legal definition of robbery. And goes back to it. He, he said he and his sister killed her for money. Does he say where Coco got any money from? Durst said no. He said, are you aware that no blanket was ever found? Durst said no. Did you hear him say that they killed her for insurance? Durson says no. LaCour wants to approach the judge, and Durson keeps going. He says, hey, you trying to say I'm lying? I ain't got no damn reason to be here lying. So LaCour had him read a statement, and Durson's like, okay. He said, now, you said he wrapped her in a blanket. Pretty sure he said blanket. You, you treat me like I killed her. I'm just telling you what he told me. Him and her sister killed her. He said, he said, if I show you the statement, and then Durson turns and he points at Burns and says, hey, why don't you be a man and tell these people what you told me so I'm not up on here in the stand having to repeat it. And LaCour gets pissed. LaCour's like, hey, you're not a lawyer. I'm the one that gets to ask questions in here. You don't get to ask any questions. 
He said, LaCour says, did you tell the police they did it together? Durst said, no. He said, I told him that he said that the sister knew about it. He said, he said I heard him say he murdered her, wrapped her in a blanket, and dumped her in Texas. Then LaCour asked him about drug use. He said, you use drugs? And Durst said, yeah, I've used drugs throughout my life. He said, well, when was the last time you got high? And Durst said, like, maybe six months ago. LaCour said, well, you see that picture on the screen there, huh? You passed out in the back of the cop car. And, and Durst said, yeah. And LaCour said, well, you look like you high then. And Durst said, well, you know what? You look like you high on something now. Talking to LaCour. And so, I mean, he's, this guy's pissed by now, right? And he said, well, we, we found you in a homeless shelter. He said, that don't mean I'm high. All everybody that's homeless isn't high all the time. He said, you look like you high, Mr. Attorney. So the court stops, and, and he tenders the witness back to Hugo. Hugo said, hey, do you have anything against Byrne? He said, no. Other than he told me that he killed her and wrapped her body and dumped her in Texas. He said, why would I come in here and lie on this man? And Hugo says, thank you for your testimony. And the judge says, You're f- oh, Hugo says, you know what? I'm a man of my word. You're free to be released. LaCour jumps up and he says, Your Honor, I order you to arrest him. The judge says, wait a minute. I don't arrest people. And LaCour says, well, he's got an open warrant here in Rapids Parish. And he read the warrant number. He said, and I want him arrested. The judge says, well, we'll have to check into that. And LaCour says, no, he needs to take care of his legal business here in Rapids Parish. I want him arrested. And the judge said, we will look into it, and you don't arrest anybody. We'll look into it. And he said, and this pissed off everybody in the courtroom, that this guy finally thinks he's getting out, and LaCour jumps up at the last second holding on to this bull, and he's like, arrest him. So what they had to do, y'all, is they took him out and they detained him, and it would come up, we found out later on that afternoon that, and it was said in open court, Hugh, Hugh Holland said, I want y'all to know, your, your Honor, I want to put it on the record, that they went over and they checked that warrant. That warrant was for Waylon's dad, not for him. So he has been released, which I almost thank him for. Now, you know, just because somebody has had a rough life in, in, done drugs and all that stuff. It doesn't mean Anthony Burns didn't tell him that back in 2011. Then at least he had enough of a conscience to go in and report it. And he's suffering all these years later. And like he told him, pointed at Burns, said, hey, man, why don't you be a man and stand up and tell these people what you told me, that you murdered her, right? I mean, so I wish that guy well. I think he was an excellent witness. All right, y'all. I'm going to get to the Texas Ranger. Skylar Hearns takes the stand next. He's a Texas Ranger. He's sworn in. Uh, he said that he's now retired uh, from the Texas Rangers as a lieutenant colonel in 2020, and now he, he, he works as a law enforcement consultant. He said he wrote a detailed report on Courtney's case all those years ago because these are uh, legacy cases. These cold cases or legacy cases mean they go on forever, and he never knew how long it was going to go on or if it was ever going to get solved. So he wrote a detailed report and 
case he ever had to come back and testify in trial like this. So Skylar Hearns is probably 50 years old, physically fit, short-cropped, almost bald hair. But he had this classic Texas Rangers cowboy hat with him. Naturally, he wasn't wearing it in the courtroom. Um, but he testified that uh, in, back in 2004, he got a call from the Chambers County Sheriff's Office to come assist on the scene of a, of a probable homicide. He said that when he texted, wasn't his usual area, that he covered three counties, but the, the ranger that was covered, that covered Winnie was out off on vacation or something, so he, his supervisor asked him to go. So he said, pulls up at the scene. He observes the building, the abandoned building, with the two doors into the garage that are open. He said from the road, he could see Courtney's body. And, and as he walked up, he could see her on her back, her knees bent, Pose in a sexual position. Now, LaCour objects and said, oh, that's speculation. It's a sexual position, and the judge overrules him. So he says she had no clothes on. Her legs were bent and spread, and her heels were on the ground. Her vagina was facing the roadway. The building was open, and there was a layer of dust, and the grass looked like it hadn't been mowed in three or four weeks. He said when they started to work on the body, process the body, that he noticed the body was in a severe state of decomposition. And the way they were able to try to find out who she was before the autopsy was that they found the class ring. And when they had to cut it off, the um, the class ring had Courtney's name on the inside of it from Alexandria High. And they then called Alexandria PD, got Detective Cedric Green, and he was able to verify, tentatively verify that it was Courtney. Uh, but he said the body was rotted and the neck was black and blue f- uh, from the body was black and blue from the neck up in purple decomposition and a blister on her left inner thigh due to bodily fluids leaking. He also said her nose was artificially flattened as if she was on her face after death. So there were no signs of a struggle inside the warehouse in the sexual position that if she had been raped there or, or struggled there, all this dirt would have been disturbed. And the dirt was not disturbed except for by her heels where her legs were drug up and bent up into a uh, an open sexual position. There was, they found some shoe impressions, which would later be uh, come back to be uh, Nike Air. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Air Force Ones and... They called Alexandra, and, and again, once it was confirmed, that they asked them to get a search warrant, search the house, looking for anything like that. So he collected swabs from around her genital area in case it was rape, and they were, they were looking for DNA. He also collected swabs from the, the body fluids around the body in case there was DNA mixed in with it. He collected a glove from outside the building in a beer can, which he didn't think were related to the crime. Later on, it would be proven they weren't related to the crime. But basically, Green said, you know, when you work in a scene like this, you only get one chance to collect evidence, and that's why they took everything that could be even remotely tied to the case. Green further stated that, you know, they did the autopsy. The officer from APD had a, a set of prints and they were able to roll prints off her fingers and match it, and then they positively identified her as Courtney Coco from the fingerprints. They also realized that Courtney Coco's vehicle was missing, and it was Louisiana license plate JUW468. And so they put out a bolo for that, or be on the lookout for that, and, and he entered it as stolen. And they said that Detective Cedric Green said the victim had inherited a large sum of money. And when they entered the residence, there was a cash box that had been pried open with no cash in it. So, again, Hearns was at the autopsy. He witnessed Dr. Brown do his work with the, along with the two APD officers. And they determined from the last time Courtney was seen alive to the time her body was found, it was 52 hours. And that the doctor said advanced decomposition said four to seven days, not 52 hours. And, and he said it was shaded in the garage and not hot. And so she had to be somewhere else before her body was placed there. And he went on to talk about how he, he researched through General Motors, how hot it would get inside a car, et cetera. Uh, he said they issued subpoenas to track Courtney's phone. And the phone began blowing up in Houston. And so they went to the hood where the where the phone was, and they actually were able to catch a kid using the phone. And they, they jumped out on him and got him. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years, and he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, 
age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. He had the phone in her body, and the phone went dead almost immediately after they arrested him. They arrested him for being in possession of Courtney's phone. But he said he got it from a guy named Red, a street named Red. And then later on, uh, they they went through the neighborhood. Hearns testified this. He said they went through the neighborhood, and they weren't getting any help. It's a really, really bad, bad, bad area, right? And they hate the cops. So he said they lied. They told the people in the neighborhood that that car, and they gave the license plate, was wanted in, in because a mom and her baby had been murdered. Okay, Now, even bad guys don't want to be involved in a mom and a baby being murdered. And look, they staked out the neighborhood and everything. They were able to find the car, and they arrested the two individuals in the car. They sent it to the state police crime lab. It was processed. That's where they found the two spots of Courtney's body fluid in the trunk of the car. Not big spots, y'all, just little spots. They also obtained a DNA sample from the latch on the trunk of the car, which was uh, uh, this outside latch uh, 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 on the trunk, y'all, not inside the car. And it had Courtney's DNA mixed in with who I told you earlier was Fred Landry's, and she was having a relationship with him, according to the word on the street. But they processed the car, the, the cigarette butts and everything, and, and there was nothing that uh, was able to prove one thing one way or another. But the people that were in the car said it was a crack loner, and they got it from a guy named Red and his cousin. Now, they don't know who Red was, and, and, and they were enable, never able to prove who Red was. But the people in the neighborhood were so sick of the cops being down there that they ran up another guy named Red uh, that was a Mexican male. They literally, like, almost lynched his ass and brought him in just because they want the cops to leave. They want this resolved. And plus, nobody likes a baby murder, right? So... Uh, but it, every, the people in the car were arrested, but they were cleared of the murder. And then he began to testify about the crime scene. It, he sh- showed a map with the state of Louisiana and Texas. Alexander was a dot. Lake Charles was a dot. Winnie was a dot. Uh, um, he verified that. And then he showed the outside photo of the building. The, and he, he agreed that that was the crime scene. Um he he was showed the pictures of now y'all when this happened Stephanie and all the family had to leave the room. The, he showed the picture of the crime scene. It showed Courtney's black face. He showed her nude from the waist down. Showed the body fluids. It was horrible to see. 
uh, uh, her legs were posed in the air. It showed the drag marks from where her heels were literally. You could tell like somebody dumped the body on the ground and then you dragged the legs up. There were drag marks in the amount of dust that was on the floor and the, and the one shoe print. He talked about the rings on her finger, collecting the rings. Now remember one of them, y'all, was the, the, the ring, that, the promise ring that matched the set. Yeah, um, and the other one was the one that they identified her from, and the she had a belly button ring. So LaCour gets up on cross, and he says, hey, I'm excited to meet a real Texas Ranger. Me and my pops used to watch Texas Rangers on TV all, all the time, and Chuck Norris, and da-da-da, and so whatever. So he tells him, he said, hey, Texas Ranger, I give you props on your report. He said, that's one of the best reports I've ever read. He asked about Courtney's phone started pinging around 10 p.m. Sunday night, and, and Hearns agreed. He said, LaCour said, the, the DNA in the car, uh, everybody's DNA in the car should have been suspects. And, he, and Hearns said, yeah, but we eliminated them. And he said, well, there's no trauma to the body. And he says, doesn't it bother you? There's no trauma to the body? body? And they, they can list it as a homicide, even though no there was no way they could tell it was homicide and the doctor was making a guess and Hearn said, no, it doesn't bother me at all. He said the autopsies are like going to a doctor and they tell you what you don't have. It is impossible that she got herself into that position on her own. The core tenders the witness. So he tenders the witness and basically Hugo just got back up and he, he said, hey, is there any evidence that the cell phone in the car reached Houston at the same time and Skylar said no and he said is there any um, do you have any proof that there was a second car involved and, and Skylar said he didn't know so that, that was it he was dismissed and set free so I'm going to tell you about the next witness his, his name was Tommy Henry and he's an older Maybe six foot two, kind of heavy set fella. Um, but he came in and took the stand and sworn in. He says his name is Tommy Henry, and he worked for the. He now works for the Chamber of Counties uh, District Attorney's Office as an investigator, I believe. But but back in two thousand four, he worked uniform patrol for the Cambridge County Sheriff's Office, and he was the first officer on the scene. He said immediately he could see the body from the road. So as he's trained to do, he he taped off the entire area, area. And he said not only did he do that, he he found out who the owner of the building was, and he called them to get permission to enter the building at eight thirty-five a.m. He said he didn't he didn't let anybody in. The building, the crime scene was not disturbed until Skylar Hearns and them got there and they went in to work the building. He said that the the body had been seen by a guy driving a tractor down the road that he was going slow in the tractor. He sat up high on the tractor and that's it, okay? Then LaCour gets up and tries to hammer in on it. Uh, uh, um, he said, well, wasn't, didn't, that, wasn't she seen from somebody driving down the road going like 50 miles an hour? He said, no, I already told you. It was by a guy driving a tractor. And he said, actually, 
he wouldn't even looked over there and seen it. He said, but he smelt her dead body from the road. And he looks, that made him look to the left. He thought it was a dead animal. And he looked to the left and he saw her there and he approached, but he did not enter the warehouse or the, the garage. And he immediately called 911 and stayed there till I got there. So that's, they let him go. Okay. Now, Fred Landry is called to the stand. Now, Fred Landry, y'all, he's currently locked up in the East Feliciana Mental Hospital for the Criminally Insane. They bring him in. He's in his prison uniform. He is, he is shackled at, at his feet, and his hands are shackled to his waist with a security belt, and he's just this He's African American male and he's probably four hundred pounds and six foot four or six foot five. Great big guy. So they get him on the stand, they swear him in, and um basically Hugo said, do you know Courtney Coco? And he he mumbled and Hugo's like, Hey, you're a great big guy, but you gotta speak up louder, right? Into the microphone. And he said, Yeah. And he said, did you have a sexual relationship with Courtney Coco? And he said, yeah. Um, and he said, have you been in her house? And he said, yeah. And he said, have you been in her car? He said, I've been in her car plenty of times. And he said, are you currently locked up in East Feliciana Mental Hospital? He said, yes. And the tenor of the witness, LaCour gets on him. And so he says, hey, are you aware that uh, Courtney was back with her boyfriend, Jitty? And he was like, I don't know. And he said, but you've been in her house and far more than once. He said, I ain't had nothing to do with killing her. He said, were you aware that your DNA was found on the latch of the car? Landry says, No. He said, are you aware that your DNA makes you a person of interest in this case? And he said, I didn't do nothing. And it, LaCour said, but do you know David Anthony Burns, my client? And Fred Lander said, no, I don't know him. So, y'all, that's, I'm going to end it. That, that was the end of his testimony. I'm paraphrasing and shorting it up a little bit for you. But there was nothing else significant said. They let him off. And I'll pick up next with our f- friend, Detective Cedric Green's testimony on the next episode. So, <sighs> tough, tough stuff to hear, y'all. Uh, um, it's tough stuff to see. I'm, I'm an old season detective. And the Courtney's crime scene photos were shocking even to me. And now I... I I had seen the the photographs of the crime scene minus her body, without her body, and and it was it was hard to see. I'm glad the family left the courtroom. Uh, the jury was passed around the individual pictures, and I, I, when Stephanie had come back in, I just told her to hold her head down because we we're very close to the jury box, and I don't want her to accidentally see any of it. Um, but that's it's hard, but it, it had to be proven and it had to be shown. And I think Schuyler, uh, the Texas Ranger, did a hell of a job testifying. I think I think um, that the deputy did it, or 
the then deputy did a hell of a job testifying, and 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 I think that um, Landry was being honest. Doesn't matter if you locked up in a mental hospital; they didn't get it why he was locked up or anything like that. He didn't mean the dude told the truth, and it, and, and especially when he said I ain't had nothing to do with it, right? So, um, Patreon convicts, thank you so much for your continued support. Y'all, I could not be here. I couldn't afford to be here doing this day in and day out, going on nine days in the hotels, eating, you know, having food delivered and stuff like that, doing all this away from my family if y'all didn't help me. So thank you for your support. Uh, all lifers, I love you. Thank you so much for your support. The courtroom has been packed. I know it's going to be even more people this week, and, and that's that's huge for Miss Stephanie and the family. The, the support, I think it's like a funeral. Uh, you know, um, the family has to hold it together. The more people that are there, the, hopefully, the more it helps them hold it together, right? So um, I, I'm just, I'm not going to do any more today. This will be, I think, the fourth episode on this. But the trial continues tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. I, certainly, you're going to get the verdict as soon as I get it. But the I want you to... Regardless, you need to listen to these episodes because there's a there's a way and a rhyme and a reason it got to the verdict. It's just like that um, Wayland guy telling LaCour, you on drugs, and, and telling LaCour, telling, pointing to David Anthony Burns and saying, why don't you be a man to stand up and tell these people what you told me, right? Priceless. But love all lifers. Thank you so much. Um, y'all, the Real Life Real Crime Community app, go join it. It's free. The... We've taken the commercials out of it. There were only a couple, like, screen things in the forum. But it's all the true crime stuff. It's all the real-life real crime stuff. It's our merch store. It's everything is in there. I go there first before Facebook because I keep getting locked up in Facebook jail. But I love and appreciate each and every one of you. Y'all will go check out my other podcast, Bloody Angola, that I co-host with Jim Chapman. It's fire. Uh, find it anywhere that you download a podcast. And... Um, if you're a lifer from Timbuktu and you want to be an organ donor, you don't have to be from Louisiana. Go to lopa.org. That's the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, but it's lopa.org. Sign up. Be a hero. Give the gift of life. Give the gift of sight and everything else. And I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And until next time or ever, Don't let me catch you down on Murder Bayou. Peace. Yeah, the rights remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will want one for you. Do you understand your rights?
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.